Today, as we encounter Jesus and the woman at the well in Samaria, we see, this is John chapter 4, we see how that Jesus satisfies. Jesus, the Son of God, satisfies completely. Now, it really is highlighted in a few things that Jesus said to the woman at the well. And, and it is interesting, you know, the, the, the promise that Jesus makes. He makes to this woman and, and he makes to us. It wasn't just for this woman, but it's for us. Uh, you look at in John chapter 4, verse 10. In John chapter 4, verse 10 Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that speaks to you, ask for the drink of water, then you would ask of him and he would give you living water. And you see, Jesus said it, it, to this woman, said, if you knew the gift that God is offering you right now, if you understood who it is that's speaking to you right now, then you would ask, and the one who is speaking would deliver living water. He goes on and describes it again, verses 13 and 14. He, he, he said, whoever drinks of this well will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the, of the water that I shall give. From him, from inside of him, will burst forth a spring unto eternal life. See, what Jesus promised to the woman at the well and to all who come to him by faith, who ask him, who request of him, he says, here's what I promise you. I will give you a, a fountain inside your soul that bubbles forth and will satisfy you forever. It will satiate every thirst and every hunger that you have. It will completely fulfill you. Jesus satisfies. As we break this passage apart, as we look at different aspects of this encounter with the woman at the well, a couple of things we begin to see. Now, first of all, we see that we can trust and follow Jesus because he satisfies. Now, I want you to understand, I'm not saying because I believe he satisfies. Now, there are times when I will say, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that. But I can talk firsthand about Jesus satisfying. I don't have to say, I believe Jesus satisfies. I'm telling you right now, as someone who is his follower, Jesus satisfies. He fills me up to overflowing. And whenever I am not satisfied, it's not his fault. It's my fault. I want you to listen. And I'm, I am an, I, I, I'm one of these guys that's been following Jesus for a long time. And I look back uh, uh, across the course of my life, and every time I've had anorexia of my spirit, it's been because I have decided to feast on little dainty tidbits and morsels that other people and other things offer, and I've left uh, alone the feast that Jesus has made ready for me to feast upon. 
Whenever I've had a malnourishment in my soul and an anorexia of my spirit, it's because I have decided to not feast on Jesus and be satisfied with him, but I've tried to be satisfied with a lot of other different things, little cotton candy favors that I think are going to taste real good, but in the end, they make me sick in my spirit. The reason as a follower of Jesus you are dissatisfied is not because Jesus has failed to satisfy you. It's because you have failed to feast on Jesus who satisfies. And if you're a follower of Jesus and you are not fully satisfied in him, don't look to Jesus as if there's some lack in the menu he has provided. But rather look to yourself and see if there's sin in your soul that has made you sick in your spirit. Look to yourself to see if there's some level of obedience that he has called you to that you've said no to because you would rather have it your way than obey. Look to yourself to see if you have decided to go to a fast food restaurant and eat the fast food that Vegas or some other place has to give you rather than sitting at the table that Jesus has prepared as he holds back all of our enemies and and anoints us with oil. And, And he says, you just come and you feast at this table and you'll be satisfied. And we said, nah, I don't think so today. I'd rather have McDonald's. If you as a follower of Jesus lack satisfaction, even as you're sitting here in this place, don't blame the music, don't blame the preacher, don't blame the word of God, and most definitely don't blame Jesus. If you are sitting in this room today and you are not satisfied, it is on you as a follower of Jesus. It's 11 o'clock. Y'all got that. Nobody else did. Okay. Oh, my goodness gracious. All right, so the the big picture that we have here is that Jesus satisfies. He's the one that fills us up. And the lack in our life as followers of Jesus is not his fault. It's our fault. So we got to own it. Now, if Jesus satisfies, let's see how he satisfies. Let's see it from this encounter with the woman at the well. So, so we first meet Jesus and, and God drives him through Samaria. I mean, he, G, G, Jesus says, okay, Father, what do you want me to do? And most Jewish people would travel around Samaria. They wouldn't go through Samaria. Most Jewish people would travel around Samaria. But Jesus says to his disciples at the very first part of the John chapter 4, he says, I must go through Samaria. And the language there, the, 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 even the Greek verb for I must go, it, 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 it describes a divine Intention. God himself was calling Jesus to go to Samaria, go through Samaria to the village of Sychar, sit by Jacob's well so he can meet this woman in the middle of the day. So that he might satisfy her and show us how satisfaction can happen in our life. So Jesus meets this woman at the well, and and in this encounter, the first thing we see is that in spite of our past, Jesus satisfies. You look at the woman at the well, she had a past. She had many, many mess-ups. But Jesus didn't say to the woman at the well, you fix your life and then I'll satisfy you. 
And Jesus didn't say to the woman at the well, you make sure that you think and act right about marriage and then I'll satisfy you. And Jesus didn't say to the woman at the well, if you elevate your morality and your moral compass and your moral code of conduct and you start behaving in a way that I like, then I'll satisfy you. No, what he said is, if you come to me and ask, I will fill you up with a living water that will never fade. In spite of your past, I will satisfy you. Today, I want you to know that yes, our past matters. But God doesn't hold it against us. Yes, our past matters. But God doesn't tell us to fix our past and then Jesus can satisfy you. No, he sent Jesus to fix us, to heal our sin, past, present, and future, so that we can be satisfied in him. It's not that we get better and then Jesus satisfies us. It's that Jesus satisfies us and heals us and then we start getting better. Jesus wants to help. The amazing thing is if anybody was in a place, in a position to condemn this woman, it was Jesus, the sinless one, the Messiah, the one who understood her past. But do you hear condemnation in his voice? Did he say, oh, you poor, pitiful, sinful, pagan woman, get away from me? Did he say, I don't have any business talking to you, you sinner? He didn't do any of that. What did he do? He stretched out his arms and he said, let me help. Today, we have a lot of religious people in this room. I don't use that in a pejorative way. I don't, I'm not saying, I mean, I'm a religious person. I'm a very religious person. Sort of. Um, I, 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 I mean, you know. And we have a lot of religious people in this room. But you know what our problem is? Our problem is we think that we've got to fix our past before we can find satisfaction in Jesus. Or we expect other people to get right before they're satisfied. Well, the reason you're not satisfied is because, well, you know, I mean, look at, look at your behavior. Well, they don't know Jesus. If we believe Jesus satisfies, then we need to introduce them to Jesus before we expect them to be satisfied. By the way, can I tell you, it's not your behavior that satisfies. It's not how you behave that makes you better. It's who you know and who knows you. Jesus came to pour out in you living water, to spring up in your soul an everlasting fountain that will satisfy you completely. But you've got to come to Jesus first, and he will satisfy you in spite of your past. He'll, he'll, he'll satisfy you despite rejection. See, the woman at the well, she, she had in, in, encountered a lot of rejection in her life. And that rejection was a companion to loneliness. And, and in the isolation and the loneliness and the rejection that she had felt, she began to search and search and search and search for something to satisfy her. There, there was something lacking in her life. 
and she needed satisfaction. Rejection was part of it. You know, the woman at the well, she was not uh, uh, in the crowd of, of ladies who regularly went to the well to draw water. You see, in the ancient Near East, in, the day, uh, in this day in which Jesus was living, going to the well was a community event. It wasn't something someone did in isolation. The, the, the ladies, and it was the ladies who drew the well, the ladies would get up and they would go early in the morning, in the cool of the morning, or they go, and they would go late in the day in the cool of the day. They would never go at the middle of the day. And what, what they would do is they would all get together and they would all, it's like ladies going to the bathroom today. They'd all get together and... and I don't understand it. But anyway, they would, they would, all, they would all get together. They'd go, go there to the, to the well, and they would, they would laugh together, and they would cry together, and they would share their, their stories together, and they would, they, they, they would, uh, they would uh, have fun together. They would celebrate victories together. They would talk about their husbands. They would gripe about their children. You know, normal stuff. It was a community event. And this woman at the well that Jesus met was not invited. It's like, like, and I've shared this before, but it's like the day when, when I was in fourth grade and, and had to move mid-year to a brand new school in a brand new city. And, 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 and I go there, I have no friends, don't know anybody. Brand new state, and, and I don't know anybody. And I had to go and, and, and I, I survived the first... Uh, a couple of hours and and i'm hiding kind of by my desk and and then the ca- cafeteria happens and there's no hiding there i mean your your aloneness your isolation is 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 out loud there i have to stand in line nobody talking to me and i get my tray and i go through the line nobody talking to me and i pay my bill and nobody talking to me and i turn around and a sea of faces confronts me and i wonder to myself will anyone be my friend Will anyone invite me to sit with them? Feeling that sense of isolation, aloneness, and and, and rejection when you're not picked to play dodgeball at recess. It's that that sense of rejection that overwhelms us. And, And yet, here's the good news. Jesus understood the rejection that she had felt, and he opens his arms and he says, Yeah, come here. I'll satisfy you. The one who had the right to reject her, the one who had the right to say, I'm holy, you're unholy, I can't have anything to do with you. No, what Jesus did is he opened his arms and he says, let's hang out. Come sit with me. Look, you're here today and maybe you are overwhelmed with a sense of isolation and aloneness and rejection. But in spite of that rejection, in the face of that rejection, Jesus satisfies Jesus opens his arm. Now, I've got to tell you, truth is, even as a follower of Christ today, I've experienced the satisfaction of Jesus. And, and, and even then, I don't want y'all to reject me. I mean, I still, I still want you to like me. Will you like me? Please like me. I, I, I'm human. Of course I want that. But can I tell you this? Even when you don't like me, I'm still satisfied in Jesus Christ. I'm full. 
I'm filled up. I'm content. It's because of Jesus. So despite rejection, Jesus satisfies us. The the last thing uh, from this text that I'd just say is that when we obey God, when we seek God's will, Jesus satisfies. I, I, I want you to get this picture because this is really important for us as followers of Jesus. See, as followers of Jesus, what happens is we get busy doing our will and we wonder why we're not satisfied. Please listen to this. We get busy doing our will, and we wonder why it is we're not satisfied. It's because we're followers of Jesus, and as followers of Jesus, what satisfies him is what's going to satisfy us. I want you to listen. Begin verse 34. Jesus, his disciples come along, and, and so they, they said, they said uh, has anybody given him any food? And, and Jesus said, verse 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you, do you, do you understand that Jesus, for him, he hadn't had a, 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 a morsel of food. He didn't have uh, even a drink of water. He had all this conversation with a woman. Well, he still didn't get a drink of water. You know, his, so he, he, he hadn't had anything. His disciples come back and they say, here's some food. He said, I've already had the food that I need. They said, they said, well, has anybody brought him food? He said, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus was saying, here's the feast that satisfies him. It is doing what the Father wants. As it is for Jesus, so it must be for his followers. Our diet a diet that satisfies. Now, I, I know some of y'all look at my Instagram every now and then. You see my diet in the evening. Ice cream. Peanut butter cups. Peanut butter dollop. Chocolate. Any of the, any, you know, any kind of combination. Sometimes what you can't see in the picture, chocolate brownies heated to a melting uh, state there at the bottom. If I had to compare what obedience to God looks like, if I had to describe what obedience to God tastes like, it's that bowl of ice cream that I have. It satisfies completely. It's not like like Lay's potato chips. Have one, got to have more because one just won't do you. I eat a whole bag and I need another bag. I'm not talking about one of these little bags. I eat a whole bag of Lay's potato chips. You don't believe me, ask Edie sometime. She'll tell you, if I sit down with a bag of chips, they're gone by the time I get up. And, 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 and yet, they don't fill me. I, I need something good. I need some nourishment. The steak and potatoes of life is doing what God wants. And as followers of Jesus, the reason you lack satisfaction is because you're not seeking God's will, you're pursuing your own will. You don't even worry about what God wants, you're only chasing after what you want, and you wonder why it is you have such a malnourished soul. Jesus said, my food, my drink is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work. If that was his food and his drink, then that must be our food and our drink to do the will of the one who is sending us and to finish his work.
Guys, the way we're satisfied, the way Jesus satisfies us is by satisfying us in doing what the Father wants. In spite of our past, Jesus satisfies. Despite rejection, Jesus satisfies. When we seek God's will, Jesus satisfies. We ought to leave here the healthiest group of people you'll ever find as followers of Jesus. Content. But we've got to follow him. You know, one of the things that I want us to do every time we look at these passages, just understand a little bit more about what it means to follow Jesus. All of these things are, are true statements about what Jesus does, but, but how do we follow him? What, is it, what does it mean for us to follow Jesus as we look at this passage? How do we follow Jesus, the Son of God? Well, the first thing we need to do is we need to meet people where they are. We follow Jesus, the Son of God, when we do what Jesus did, and we meet people where they are. Uh, So often what we do is we meet people, and we want them to get on our agenda real quick. Why do we expect people who don't know Jesus to behave as though they did? Why Why are we treating people with disrespect who don't know who Jesus is? They don't know any better. They don't see any out. Do you see how Jesus encountered the woman at the well? He he didn't hammer her. He didn't beat her up. He He didn't cast stones at her. What did he do? He acknowledged that she had some troubling ideas about marriage. And he helped her see how that he could satisfy her. See, if we, as followers of Jesus, would spend a lot more of our energy trying to behave like Jesus when we encounter people who don't know Jesus, I believe we would see an awakening in our land that we have not seen in a long, long time. But it's easier for us to play the moral police and uh, castigate and beat up the people that don't fit our moral code of conduct. But again, is that how Jesus did it? You realize that when Jesus was harsh with people, it was people like me, church-going folk. But when Jesus met people like the woman at the well, he showed love and kindness and respect. We would do well to follow Jesus by meeting people where they are. Now, this does not mean, and it's interesting, Jesus met people where they were. He was accused of being a friend of sinners, which he was, and yet he never compromised the holiness of God. So this whole idea that if I show respect to someone who uh, embraces Uh, gay marriage, if I show respect to them, then somehow I'm compromising truth. Well, that's just not how Jesus did it. I mean, I can hold to the truth that gay marriage is an oxymoron, does not exist in the kingdom of heaven. I can can hold to that truth and still show respect to people who believe differently. What we like to do is we like to Yell at them the same way that perhaps we feel like they're yelling at us. Oh, that's not the way of Jesus, though. 
Jesus held firm on what was right and true. But he didn't expect people who didn't know him to behave in a way that was consistent with him. He met them where they were, showed kindness, love, and respect. Can you do the same? If not, you've got to ask yourself if you're really a follower of Jesus or just a follower of rules. That's really a good line. Somebody ought to tweet that one. The second thing we need to do is we need to share Jesus. See, it's not enough just to show love, kindness, and respect to people where they are. We've got to share with them how that they can be changed, transformed, have their life overwhelmed by God's grace. We've got to share Jesus with them. See, that's what the woman at the well, I mean, she met Jesus and then she went running. This is the Messiah. Come see the Messiah. You've got to meet the Messiah. He's changed my life. He'll change your life. Come meet Jesus. Can I ask you, when was the last time you invited anyone to come meet Jesus? I mean, do you find it okay to yell at cultural crimes on Facebook and talk about how ugly the culture is around us and how it's inconsistent with what you believe? And you'll do that on Facebook all day long or in personal conversations with friends, but you never get into a conversation helping people see how their life can be transformed and satisfied. got to tell you, God doesn't tell us to win debates. God tells us to share Jesus. God doesn't tell us to hold the line in a particular uh, political or moral code of conduct. He tells us to share Jesus. Are you fulfilling the mission that Jesus has given? It's to share him. The woman at the well, she went to the people that didn't like her. And she said, you need to come meet this guy. He'll change your life. Today, as followers of Jesus, we meet people where they are and we share Jesus because only he can change their life. See, we need to stop asking people to change their behavior and then come to Jesus. We need to invite people to come to Jesus who will change their life and then their behavior will follow. You want culture to change? Share Jesus with your neighbor. You want the darkness to be pushed back? Share Jesus at work. Our calling is to share Jesus. So today I invite you to be satisfied in Christ. Will you bow your heads, please? You know, the Bible tells us that God um, sent Jesus out of love for humanity. A humanity that was lost in darkness, he sent Jesus to be a light, the light that will change their life forever. Some of you are here today and you are dissatisfied. You've tried to be religious and moral. You've tried to be good. You've tried different relationships, different pursuits, different fanciful things, and and you are dissatisfied. But today you understand that the only way for you to be satisfied is by faith in Jesus Christ. Repent your sin, come to Jesus. And if that's who you are, I invite you to come to Jesus today.
Others of you are here and you're followers of Jesus and, and yet you have been so pursuing your own will that you haven't been pursuing God's will and you wonder why it is you're so dissatisfied, so hungry. Maybe you've allowed rejections of yesterday to overwhelm your today and you're dissatisfied. Or maybe, maybe you have allowed the sin of your right now to dictate how you live your life. But the truth is you can right now, even as a follower of Christ, be satisfied completely being broken over your sin, coming to Jesus saying, you know, I'm yours. I want to do your will. In these next few moments, I'm going to invite you just to respond to God. There are going to be ministers here at the front. They want to pray with you, help you. Uh, this altar, this, this up front place, it's, it's open for you to come and pray, talk to God. Now, whether you sit or whether you stand in these next few moments is irrelevant. Just focus on Jesus, all that he's done for you, and worship him. Now, Father, draw to yourself those whom you are calling and allow us to respond in obedience to you right now. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.